Welcome to the CanoeRaceWorld.com podcast, your home for everything related to marathon canoe racing. Now, it's time to get your paddles wet with your hosts, Kevin Olson and Bill Mahaffey. Take it away, boys. Welcome back, canoe racing fans. Another episode of the podcast. How are we doing today? We are doing good, man. Before we get to our uh, special guest, um, I think it's time to talk about what should be on the Paddler's Christmas wish list. We do have a special guest that will come on a little later in the episode, but yeah, what's on your Christmas wish list? Hey, I forgot to ask you, how are you doing today, Kevin? I am doing well, doing well. I'm actually, as we're recording this, I am walking right by a house that has uh, all the Christmas lights on and, uh, you know, on the palm tree. So, you know, it's it's a beautiful, uh, beautiful night down here in Florida. So, uh, yeah, Christmas lights <laughs> on the palm trees, man. I hate you. It's cold here in the uh, River Valley. <laughs> so but yeah so yeah it is christmas time so um you guys will be noticing that i've been posting on our facebook page a lot of our different stuff from our sponsors um actually as we're recording this tonight i just uh posted one about llama racks for wall storage uh they got a, a great little unit um that they just came out with uh, over the course of the year and and then we have uh, Jeremy Vore I posted a couple days ago, too. Yeah, the, uh, the the padded paddle case and the paddle sock that he came out with, um, I got to tell you, it's on my Christmas list. Um, it, it blows my mind, but I am totally guilty of it. It blows my mind that guys spend big money on paddles and then just kind of throw them around and beat them up everywhere. <laughs> Like oh, yeah. spend to protect your investment. That's <laughs> it, it. Baffles me that yeah we we spend so much money on on boats and paddles and some of the boats and paddles that you see are just so poorly uh, maintained and taken care of. Yeah, and, I uh, I gotta ask. I, I know we're a little tight for time before we do our uh, our segment with our special guest, but mm-hmm. do you store your boats right side up or upside down? <laughs> the, this is uh, the question. I, I store them currently. I store them uh, right side up in slings, equally dis- equidistant, about a, th- a third from each end. So then there's about two thirds. So basically to um, distribute the weight evenly. And so there's not one single pressure point on the boat. So that's how I do it. Um, I, I just, I am slings, same pressure points with two of them, but the other side, it, uh, now I kind of want to take my boat down. That's been hanging, <laughs> like put it on a flat level surface and go, Hey, did I actually hog this boat? I, I don't know, but yeah, that's <laughs> what an interesting debate, man. Yeah, it is. It is, you know, and I only have the experience from my dad who, you know, he, he it was stored outside. It was upside down. And it was a Kevlar boat, and it was stored like that for probably 12 years, um, almost untouched. I think, yeah, yeah, you got to, I mean, we were in New York, too, so you have snow and all that jazz. So 
that probably affected it too, uh, to a great extent. But uh, I just, I don't like to chance it. Gravity is going to push one way, so I just say if it's going to push the middle, the bo- the middle of the boat somewhere, I'd rather push it down, because um, I'd rather have an easier time turning than a harder time turning. So, <laughs> He's uh, like, give me all the rocker, all the rocker. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, give me all the rocker. So, uh, so yeah, but right on. Hey, one other like uh, for the if you got somebody that's been really good on Santa's Christmas list, I don't know if the world has noticed this or not, but Boardman Boatworks announced their boat lineup, and it is sick, man. Uh, the the great mystery boat, the Alpha Twenty Twenty, that they designed. I've, I've heard a lot of good things about it. I can't wait to get my hands on one. Uh, they're also building the the GTO by John Webb, and then they're doing a V1, um, which is the, the original Jensen design and probably one of the greatest canoes ever made. I, to me, it was it is still the, the original gold standard. Um, and then that yeah. Sundowner 18, you know, it awful fast for a recreational boat design right by Everett. So yeah. Yeah, I I think uh I think that's a, a, a one of the very like I don't think we've seen anyone uh try to jump into the market with so many pro boats um right off the get go. So that's a, a unique strategy. Um and it should be interesting to see how it is, um how it plays out. And uh I mean I haven't seen his pricing released yet, but um, definitely, uh, exciting times. Yeah. I, I, he hasn't posted any pricing. I know it's set. Um, and according to him, it's too low, too low to list here, but then the first four customers confirm builds, you know, have a great opportunity for big savings as well. Um, mm-hmm. I would recommend people get on those schedules ASAP because I have a feeling he's going to be a very, very busy dude. So he is, yeah. um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, can't. I mean, it'll be uh, interesting to see how many Boardman Boatworks uh, boats you see at the the marathon this year. Um, you know, all depending on how many you can actually produce, and and, and that, and then uh, I think that's one of the the best race that you have like an actual like record of what boats show up and and things of that nature uh, to compare year to year. So, um, oh, I was say we are we are going to see. GRB boat, right? Like this is gonna happen. <laughs> you, I, I, I mean, you think it's gonna happen? I mean, I, the boat is there. The boat is is ready to be paddled on it. Um, that's what it was really. Uh, you know, when Gene made it, he he said this is gonna get you through the night in Michigan. So, um, you need, you need, you need two this. people. You need two people in the boat. <laughs> <laughs> Who you want me to call here? Who you want me to call? <laughs> Don't call Steve, I'll call Steve. Mr. Lushbach. <laughs> hey, hey, I, I'd, I'd paddle Stern if Chris wanted to give me a chance. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. mean, I'm just saying, if, if Chris, you're listening, I mean, call brother up. <laughs> exactly. I'll give, I'll give you a I'll give you a place to stay down in Florida for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But uh, yeah, so uh, I, I really, uh, really hoping that I am going to be able to make the trip out. It's my, you know, my plan is to make the trip out to Michigan this year. Um, but I just got to figure out the living down here in Florida now. There's new logistical challenges that, you know, uh, never had before. And so it's uh, something that's got to be weighed and uh, accounted for and once I get all those, all my ducks in a row, then for sure I'll be there. Yeah, right on, right on. Hey, speaking of races, didn't you just do a race down in Florida or something? I did do a race. Yeah, it was actually uh, my first ever race in the Florida Competitive Paddlers Association, the FCPA. Um, it was actually it's the Silver River race. Um, very uh, well attended race for the you know current uh you know conditions with the pandemic and um it was a great event they did it and there was a short course and a long course the long course was about just over nine miles so basically we started at this uh um Ray's wayside park we went upstream around an island which is pretty easy to to find and um back around and um Matt Skeels from uh, Canton uh, actually came down, was uh, the fastest boat overall on the day. Um, but he's always, he wins like the 90. Um, he's in a surf ski, a really, really great guy, um, really fast. And there was a good amount of surf skis and outriggers and a good amount of C1s. Um, I was lucky enough to be the fastest C1 on the day. Um but I also got ousted by this uh, OC one, this uh, guy named Robert or uh, Norman. Man, he was fast. But those OC boats are fast. Um, but I was surprised. I wasn't wasn't expecting it. Um, <clears throat> and he was uh, fourth fastest overall. So you know, um, faster than most of <laughs> most of the surf skis also. So. Um, Great little river, though. If you ever are down in Florida, I definitely suggest it. Um, crystal clear water. Um, you're pretty much guaranteed to see a manatee if you're not, you know, racing. Um, you'll see a manatees. What? What was the name of the river again? The Silver River. You'll be right in that area. You'll be close to it. Yeah. It's uh, famous, like it's known for monkeys are in that area so um oh, the last yeah. time i was there yeah yep. they have the monkeys and you know there's you know you got your alligators and um you know you could see see fish and you know the wildlife i mean i think i counted like four or five turtles i saw on the on the race course that's what i do i count turtles because those are the, for some reason i can spot turtles i can't spot anything else so, <laughs> so. Speaking of Adam from Boardman Boatworks, all right, and I hope he doesn't kill me for sharing this, but when we paddled that river, uh, man, I forget what year it was, we were down there, he tipped in that section, like not very far from a gator, and I was like, oh my god, Adam's gonna <laughs> die, this, this is the end of it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely uh, it's definitely interesting when you're around when you're around that type of wildlife. Uh, but generally, uh, you know, I, I don't think they're really there to 
you know, bother you if you don't bother them. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's a very popular river too. So, um, I, the, the alligators that are there are going to be more used to, uh, you know, yeah, people really trafficking the, those waters. So like a movie set or something there. <laughs> oh, really? I don't know. Yeah, I, I think no that's clue. the story behind the monkeys. Oh, could be. Could be. So, but yeah, so, uh, I mean, with that being said, I think it's a good time to transition. So the guest we have today is John Harmon, the, um, the head of the General Clinton uh, Canoe Regatta Race Committee. And he's going to be talking to us about uh, the upcoming year and looking forward to it. So just after the break here, we will um, get right to that interview. You have anything before we want to get, before we get into the interview, Bill? No, that's it. Why don't we uh, take a brief pause and uh, thank our sponsors during the pause? Paddle Sport Risk Management is a paddle sport insurance company run by Larry and Maria LaCourie. They have a ton of experience and have been insuring paddle sports since 1980. These two are also paddlers, so they know what's what in paddle sport. Larry has been a marathon paddler for over 40 years, as well as doing outrigger, whitewater kayaking, human race dragon boats. He was the USA president for four years and NIMCA director for close to 10. Maria has raced Outrigger and Dragon Boat both here in the U.S. and in Hong Kong. Passport Risk Management's rates are as lowest as you'll find in the country, and they insure some of the biggest races and clubs than you will see out there. They insure events, clubs, associations, clinics, on-water demos, even your boat. Please check them out on their website, paddlesportriskmanagement.com, or on their Facebook page. You're listening to the CanoeRaceWorld.com podcast. If you like what you hear, be sure to visit CanoeRaceWorld.com and check out the blogs, race results and recaps, gear reviews, training tips and tricks, videos, and more. How much more? Well, you'll just have to go find out, won't you? And now... Back to the show. At this point in the show, we would like to introduce our guest today, John Harmon, uh, the head of the General Clinton Canoe Regatta Race Committee. How are we doing today, John? I'm doing well, guys. How are you guys doing? Doing good, John. Hey, thank you for uh, thank you for coming on the show. I know you're a busy man. We really appreciate the fact that you're here to talk to us today. Well, no problem. I wish we had a little more and better info at this point, but you know we're gonna go do the best we can this year. So we're uh, yep. we'll see how it goes. Welcome, welcome to 2020 and 2021. The unknown unknowns. Yep. <laughs> yeah, we we thought it would be a good time to to bring you on just to because I know I know myself personally and I know I can't be the only one out there. Um, we're all trying to, you know, kind of schedule and plan out our, our next year mm-hmm. in, in racing. So, um, seeing how you guys are the, the first uh, big major race, sure. we figured, it, it, you know, what better place to start than that, than than here. So, yep. Um, well, the, but yep. At this point, we um, 
we really haven't had any formal meetings. We had a couple of discussions amongst people, but we we will definitely be having the seventy mile race this year. Okay. Unless the, unless the state totally shuts us down and doesn't let it do it at all, but I don't see that the that part of the event will definitely happen because I think there's no reason we can. I don't think unless okay. the you know the state clamps down on the mass gatherings and, and really. But I'm hoping. I think you know with the way things are progressing. I think by May we'll be, we'll have some resemblance of a regatta. Mm-hmm. Okay. May, be nice. To, I, be nice I, to have the whole regatta, but and I'm optimistic I, to that. But I kind of want to give you a hug or a high five. Like I wish you could see the smile right now <laughs> because that that was you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, our intention is to have the the 70 mile race. You know, without a doubt, and we're hoping to have the rest of the weekend. You know, whether we can still get the scouts involved on Saturday and and the relays, which I think we can, you know, being we're the end of May. But, uh, you know, that's that's our plan at this point. That's my plan. You know, we really haven't had a lot of formal discussions. We really haven't had a formal meeting at this point, which is unusual. But right now nobody's really in the meeting. And to do a Zoom meeting with the regatta, i just not comfortable with. So we're kind of just kind of in a holding pattern. Once we get past the holidays, you know, we'll have our first kickoff meeting and, and, and throw some ideas out there and, uh, you know, hope for the best. And that's, you know, I know everybody's itching to race because there was so much canceled last year. Yeah. yeah there, there is a, a lot of planning that goes on behind the scenes for something like this. Now, you're the head of the canoe regatta committee. Are you, are you also involved with like the carnival aspects and things like that yeah, as well? I run the whole show. Yep. <laughs> okay. The, the entire thing. So you are a very busy man in that aspect. It, it's a, it's a challenge. We have a lot of good people and uh, I've been doing it for a long time too. So it's, it's gotten easier over the years. I don't know if next year will be very easy, but um, you know, it's been running, run along pretty smooth over the last few years. So, you know, it's, uh, it's just such a good event, you know, all the way around. So. Yeah, for sure. Um, actually that was kind of one of my first questions is I, I was not sure how long you've actually been, um, on the committee or been involved, um, um with the general and can you, can you give our viewers a little bit of a uh, background on yourself? Sure. Um, the background with me, I, actually, I started off with the chamber, um, back in the days of my kids playing little league and we had crappy fields and nobody could really say why. So I got involved with the chamber and was involved in that for a long time and did stuff for that. And then back in 2002, um, when Gary Smith and Tracy Smith, um, basically decided they were done, they were walking away. They'd done it for 10 years. You know, they were, they'd done their fair share and they'd been involved in it for a long time. And there was a meeting at the park, and there was probably, I don't know, 50, 60 people there in a meeting to talk about how the regatta was going to continue. Because at that point, in 02, it was on its deathbed for the most part, I mean, at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got, I was one of them that got involved in 2002. So I was helped, I helped Pam and Wayne um, in 02, and I helped with uh, Pam Lefevre for uh, a bunch of years, and then... Oh, it's like 12 years ago, I, I actually took over the, the whole regatta and I've been doing it ever since. So, Gotcha, gotcha. So that's kind of um, how I got involved. It was just kind of, you know, I, I'm a lifelong resident of Bainbridge, you know, so I grew okay. up grew up around, around the regatta. Actually, my um, I'm about the same age as the regatta, <laughs> exactly. Okay. So, 
Um, you know, I've been around it all my life. So it's a, you know, a, a big part of our community, you know, not just from a paddling standpoint, but a, a social standpoint, you know, it's a, it's a big event that, you know, has always been well attended. So, um, sure. so I decided to, to just get involved in it. And, uh, the first few years I worked with Pam and did the grounds and, and did all the stuff to help get stuff ready the week before and, you know, that nature and then kind of progressed and then Pam got out of it and then I took over. And uh, kind of done a lot of things since then. So, yeah, it's great. Um, so, have you ever ever been a paddler at all? No, or? no, no. Actually, the uh, funny story with that is last year, you know, obviously the regatta was canceled, so we um, ended up camping at the park, and then the foxes loaned us uh, two took two uh, kayaks up to Sydney. And me and my fiance got to paddle down the river. And that's the first time I paddled in a boat on the river ever. Wow. <laughs> that was a, year, I, was a year that we didn't have a regatta. Oh, that's that's crazy. All, all I can say is, like, thank you for all that you do for the sport and, and for your community. Yeah, for somebody that doesn't even, yeah, doesn't even, you, you hadn't even been on the river in that stretch. That's no. no. It's just one of them things, you know, and and I think the more I got involved in it, the more I realized how much a big deal it was to you paddlers. And I think it's met more over the years to see that, you know, this is this is a pretty big deal, you know, and and I I don't think most people realize how big a deal it is to, you know, the paddling community. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, growing up. Growing up on the on the banks of the Susquehanna um, on Memorial Day has been, uh, you know, it's been near and dear to my heart. That's for mm-hmm. sure. You know, ever since I, you know, did it when I was eight with my dad and okay. and helping him uh, over the course of the years and everything and watching him. You know, he's he's amassed. I mean, I haven't been around for all of his, uh, you mm-hmm. know, finishes because he has thirty four. So I've seen his name uh, up there a lot. So oh yeah. Oh and yeah, so I've got that's, know. A, that's with a ten-year hiatus in there too. So oh, when he was uh, when we were growing up as boys, we always went to the race those years, but mm-hmm. um, he couldn't devote the time to train for it, so um, he had to take a take a little bit of a hiatus at that point. So, but well, I can tell you, I have a lot of admiration for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I, just paddling from Sydney to Bainbridge was plenty to get out on the river and actually see the river and you know yeah you know, living here all my life i've never been on the river and so it was kind of yeah. it was kind of cool and it was kind of fitting that we just kind of floated down on a, on a weekend that you know it's the first time in my lifetime that there's never been a regatta yeah you know so it's kind of kind of eerie but it was it was pretty cool yeah, I, I, I did the same thing. Uh, I'm from Grayling, um, the, the second leg of the Triple Crown. Yep. Um, and I did the same thing this year on Canoe Marathon weekend. It yep. was very surreal mm-hmm. knowing that I should be asleep right now. <laughs> getting ready for that, that start, right? right? Like. This is not where I should be. So I'm sure it was the same way for you, yep. not having the oh, just the whole week the energy and that was of just, the event. Was yeah, yeah, yep, exactly. And, and that yep. was a hard decision. I, I second guessed that for weeks. 
I'm like, oh, it might be, maybe it'll be better. Maybe it'll be better. And obviously now, you know, I, it, it wasn't a premature decision, obviously, but, you know, I look yeah. back at it. I, I, I fought with myself. I'm like, did I call this thing too early? And, uh, you know, hindsight now is no, I, you know, it was the right thing to do at the time and, you know, really didn't have much choice. So that you make, you, you bring up a good point because I think this is something that I think we all have to think about. And this is kind of why we're thinking now, I mean, um, training starts now for this race. So, um, you know, the thing is, is I know that like, so there's these, these post race, uh, you know, um, depression episodes that people go into, um, because they take so long to prepare for this one day and then Mm -hmm. the day goes by and then you're like, what do I do with my life? Type of thing. Um, whereas in, cause I, I, I know other people in other endurance sports, like triathlons and stuff where they waited until the week of, and then canceled it. And that made it really hard on those athletes because they put in all this training and they still had this, you know, depression, but no high of actually the ability to compete and uh, bring it to fruition. So, um, I actually, uh, I think the earlier it could be called, if it's not going to be going, right. I think it is, is better for the athletes. Um, obviously it's, it's tough on a, it's tough anytime that, you know, uh, an event's canceled sure. um, for us because we're, especially at triple crown, cause we're, right. you know, they're such a, you know, pinnacles of the, of the sure. season. Yep. Um, it's like the but, world series being canceled, you know, and yeah, you know, I, you guys, I, you know, I know, I know you wrestled with, Hey, was it premature? Was it not? I thought your timing was good on it as far yeah. as when you called it. It, yeah. I was going to go a little longer cause I knew I could go, I could still pull it off if I got into the middle to eight, middle of end of April, I could still pull it off because I've got, I had a lot of things in the works. So, but once it, once you could see where it was headed, it was like, we got to just pull the plug. And unfortunately, we did. So um, I know there was a few people that weren't very happy, but, you know, what are you going to do? Nobody was happy about it. Right. Yeah. Yep, exactly. But now, this year, we're, um, you know, I'm optimistic. And like I say, we're, we will have some form of race. You know, the the big challenge is going to be, obviously, with a with a purse the size of ours, getting our sponsors you know, mm-hmm. so, you know, there might be some changes that happen to it, you know, as far as monies and and what we can do at the park, you know, at the end of the race. Right. I think the beginning, I don't think there's any issue because everybody's spread out. They get in their boat and they go out in the water. We're not in the village of Cooperstown anymore. So, you know, I think up the start, I think, is a non-issue, I think, for the most part, as long as the Otsego Land Trust is okay with it. Um, mm-hmm. And, um the finish line, you know, we may have to do some different things down there. I, I, I'm hoping most of this has gone away by then, but we would we thought it'd been gone by now too. So, I, so it's, I, yeah, know. it's funny you mentioned the um, like the the start. You should be okay, and the finish might have to do something different. That's that's one of the weird differences between New York and Michigan as far yeah. as putting on events and stuff like that is the permits that are involved. Yeah. Um, so in Michigan, 
they ran into some difficulties with permitting this year where the, the Michigan Canoe Racing Association could get the permits to use the river, to have an event on the river, hmm. but they could not get the permits to launch, use, or take out from any of the public access sites. Oh, wow. So the, the DNR basically said that, hey, you can hold a race, but it has well, to start at a private residence and end at a private residence, and that's it. Those are, those are your options. Which, in our case, would, would work. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, actually, not anymore, because we don't own, own the park. When the chamber owned the park, I guess we could said that, but um, you know, now the town owns it, so we probably would be needed. But I, I didn't really have any really contact with the state much whatsoever i just you know pulled the plug so and our mm-hmm. our permits are, are fairly minor for this race believe it or not okay what what all do you what what all does that involve as far as the um goes? usually well not a whole lot <laughs> i mean we apply to the county and that they just approve the the event and that's basically it we don't have to do anything with the river or anything like that at least I never have. So maybe we ought to keep that quiet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, edit that part out. <laughs> yeah, edit that part out. <laughs> but no, I really haven't. It's quite amazing. I mean, I used to have to get a permit for Cooperstown to do Lakefront Park, and that was a, mm-hmm. a fee. And uh, like now, we actually give the Otsego Land Trust a fairly decent donation um, to mm-hmm. use that site, um, which works out fine because it's it just makes the race so much better. Um, yeah. So really, it's pretty pretty minor, believe it or not. I'm really surprised that I haven't been clamped down on with different things. But the only thing that I had an issue with at one point was the the size of the event. But since it's as long as you're under five thousand people a day, it keeps you in a in a, a lower category. You don't have to do a lot of the extra legwork. You get up over that a day, which I, I believe we're we're well under that. You know, we probably run three, maybe 4,000 people there on, on a given Saturday, probably, and that's the biggest day as far as the grounds go. Right, you know, right. You know, Monday, we're looking at, you know, 400 paddlers plus, you know, another, say, three times that or four times that. So you're still only 2,000, 2,500 people on Monday. Mm-hmm. So, so it keeps us in that out of this special permit thing where it bumps you into a lot of extra permits and all sorts of stuff. So I think that's how it, how it works, you know? Yeah. So, um, not, I mean, I guess kind of we'll bounce around a little bit, sure. but, um, <laughs> tell, tell, uh, tell the people that don't, that have never been to the general Clinton, you know, uh, what, you know, give us a little synopsis on the whole weekend, because I think a lot of people, um, that even some racers that you know they just come to do the seventy, sure. they they don't even have a, a full a grasp of how large this event actually is because they just so focus on Monday, yeah. right? And and so give us a little background on the rest well, of the weekend. It's really quite a quite a packed weekend. There's a lot of, a lot of stuff that goes on through the whole weekend besides the racing. It's it's kind of two events in one. Um, you know, Friday night starts off with the with the generation gap race, which is, you know, the two different, you know, you got to be 12 years apart and you get grandfathers and grandkids in the boat and the the pro racers come down with their kids and, and have a good time with it. And that's turned into a great event. 
and then you know everything kicks off with the carnival that night you know we have a, on the grounds it's a full full-fledged carnival that has rides games and all sorts of food and that runs the whole weekend um which is pretty cool and then you know saturday it starts off with a 5k race with one of my classmates that i graduated with who passed away years ago dan elwood and um we start with that and then the last well we're on our what eighth year ninth year for the hall of fame we have our hall of fame induction which is is gotten bigger and bigger you know with, with having everybody invited invited down and the past people coming in being our i think our eighth class of, of inductees and then uh the scouts invade bainbridge um there's there's anywhere from three to five hundred scouts from all over the northeast that come to run these relay races they they camp at the girl scout camps on the night before you know and just have a grand old time and then you know they stay they do the rides and we have a bunch of fireworks that night we usually have bands on the weekends um on saturday and sunday night and fireworks both nights so there's a lot saturday is just a, a really busy day a really busy day for me um but it's a, it's a cool event you know in that nature and then sunday uh, we have usually a big music festival. We we've last few years had a huge cornhole tournament. We've had you know 40 different teams in that, um, bunch of really good bands. We try to bring in some good acts for all that. And then um, Sunday's the the relay race, which um, obviously that's kind of decreased a little bit over the years, but it's still still when well attended with you know 40 50 teams of two people paddling from town to town and uh, you tell people about that and they're like, really? That sounds pretty cool. So, you know, along with that, we have the sprint races and, and that ends up being pretty well attended by the scout masters. You know, a lot of them that help the kids out the day before they're paddling in some of the sprint races and, you know, a mix of, of locals. Cause it's a shorter race, especially now since from Unadilla down. Um, there's a lot of local people that want to just go out and, and paddle in kind of a competitive nature and, and do that. And then Monday, we pretty much just focus on the big race. You know, it's everybody's there for the 70 mile race and, and that's kind of the weekend in a nutshell, but you know, there's a lot of different things going on for different, there was a big flea market, you know, it's, it, it's amazing how there's two different things going on kind of at the same time. And, and I think the, the important part of that is I don't think one could survive without the other. You know, I think between the sponsorships we get, you know, a lot of that goes along with the, the carnival and the, the event itself. And, you know, some of the sponsors go for the canoers. So we get a good wide mix of, of local sponsorship. We're still looking for that big you know, major sponsorship like Michigan gets, you know, or, or used to get. I mean, I think you guys still do pretty well with it. Yeah, but um, you know that's kind of yeah. how how it goes, and it's a, it's a major fund drive. Obviously, I don't know if you guys are are, are familiar with kind of the history of the regatta. Um, the the originally it started downtown, the finish line was, and then they they bought that forty five acre park that mm-hmm. that the finish line, General Clinton Park, is at, and um, all the improvements and everything that's been done to that park has all been from proceeds from the regatta. That that. Nothing gotcha. was done from taxpayers or anything else. That was just, you know, the, the the chamber had a whole good bunch of people, and they just kept reinvesting, reinvesting, putting new morodes in, you know, the, the right, bathrooms, yeah. the showers. I'm sure you guys have seen the progression over the years, you know, of what it started out at. And, you know, we're lucky yeah. the town has a beautiful 45-acre park now. 
Yeah, for sure. It is a beautiful an, part. An amazing piece of ground on a beautiful river, right? Yes. Like that's, yeah. Exactly. And we camped down there a fair amount this side, actually with Jeff a couple times, Pedersen. And uh, it's amazing the amount of people that are on the river all the time. I mean, there was boats, you know, either ki- a lot of kayakers, you know, there's just boats on the river a lot. So it's, yeah. it's well used. For sure. That's one of those things that I don't think, uh, I mean, they have that in, in, in Grayling and in a couple other areas in Michigan uh, on the Sable where you can go out and paddle and you'll see other paddlers paddle. Mm-hmm. Um, I've not been you know fortunate to be in an area because i'm i was i was from i lived in syracuse and uh so when i paddled i paddled alone uh almost almost all the time so whenever i went down to susquehanna it was always uh interesting because you always you almost always saw at least someone yeah and uh so yeah so that's it's definitely um, like I, when I explain to people that aren't familiar with our sport, you know, uh, I'm like, there's like three really hotbeds that you go and where the sp- sport is like an, a legitimate sport, mm-hmm. um, you know, in the Susquehanna Valley is one of them. So we're one of them. Yeah. It's amazing how and a lot of people know about it. it. It's definitely put us on the map to an extent. <laughs> like, why do you kind of on, on that note, like, why do you think? participation is lower now than what it was say in the the late 80s early 90s i mean you sound like you're very familiar with with paddling even though you you haven't raced like yeah what do you, what do you think the driver is behind uh, that that's what's so weird to me i just don't think the youth is involved as much as there was earlier in the days you know i mean you look at the average age of the the paddler on monday and you're probably 50 you know, 45, 50, you know? Yep. So, you know, back, in the, and they're the same ones that were there 30 years ago. Yeah. Right. You know, so the, the influx, you know, it's like anything. Well, the other thing is our, our population around here has decreased immensely over the last 30 years, 40 years. You know, I mean, you're talking a, a relay race that had 120 teams in it, you know, back in the 80s. Right. Now it's now it's in the forties. Yeah, now it's in the forties. And 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 same with you look at the the start list from the eighties. You know, the eighties was probably the peak. The eighties, nineties was, you know, Mm -hmm. in the peak area. You know, you were talking there was twelve hundred paddlers on Monday. You know, you know, now we're 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 about four hundred. So that's what I like. Not a lot of people want to dedicate a lot of time to paddle eight hours of canoe either <laughs> very true it'd be like it'd be like miranda robinson who's uh, uh i don't know what number of finish she's on but she she doesn't train and then then that does then doesn't she does she pretty just doesn't <laughs> <laughs> i think a lot of people did back in the day you know yeah. but you know i think it's just a it's a function of our demographics you know our our area has gotten older there's not a lot of youth that's left here i mean most most of our kids have, have taken off and left the area, you know, so they're not involved in it. So it's it's I think it's a number of factors and yeah, you know, we're in the in the digital age where, you know, people don't want to go do that, you know, and it's unfortunate. Bring up the youth aspect of it. it it's hard. Uh, it my my daughter uh, will be old enough to do the Asable this year for the first time. Oh, and wow. this was her like like her magnificent obsession. Uh, 
probably even more so than mine. And she's, she's really good paddling, like mm-hmm. very capable of completing the Asavel at what will essentially be like 15 and a few days old. Wow. And probably, hold the, yeah, if, if she did it, would hold the record for youngest finisher ever. Wow. Um, the, the issue is, and we had to sit down and kind of have this talk, like, hey, you have your whole life to paddle if you want to paddle. Right. But you only get to be a high schooler once, mm-hmm. right? Like this, this is the only time you're going to be able to do these other activities, right? You know, and unfortunately, you can't do them all. So. No. But yeah, it's it's tough, and I think that the kids nowadays are just pulled in so many directions, and everything yeah. is so it's over the top. Different. Yeah, yeah, it's different. That's a good way to put it. You know. And it's unfortunate. I worry, you know, of the future of. I mean, I think there's still enough people to keep it going, but you know, the numbers. I mean, we're not on a steep decline by no means. I mean, I think we've stayed, you know, level to a, a slight decline, you know, in most of our classes, and it, it goes up and down a little bit. But you know, the the wave is definitely trending down. You know, yeah. so. And that, and that worries me for, you know, what's going to happen in 10, 15 years from now, you know, whether I'm, I would hope there's still be an event, you know, but yeah. I'm going to be gone by then. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, well, John, that's kind of uh, one of the reasons why Canoe Race World now exists um, is, is basically to help promote the sport yeah. in, in general. And, uh, you know, when I so when I first came into actually wanting to be competitive, you know, to do it competitively mm-hmm. was in, uh, was actually after the Clinton in 2014. Um, you know, I did it on almost literally almost no training with my dad and, uh, tipped over three times. I think I got sick and we came in, I came in, we came in like six and you an amateur. <laughs> and so then I was, well, well, I, I was a competitive bodybuilder at that point that was struggling and I had done that for 10 years and I was struggling and I said, well, if I can not train and do that well, what can I do if I actually train, eh? trained? And so then the next year I went and did the, uh, in the C1 and won the amateur division in the C1. Oh, nice. And then, um, and then, you know, the, the rest is kind of history. But at that point, when I was getting like in that 2014, 2015, I couldn't find any information on the sport. Right. You know, other than, you know, what I did, you know, what my dad was, you know, right. taught me and stuff. But I'm like, once I get into something, I'm like, I need to know everything. So, um, so I said, I said to myself, I need to start. And I knew the decline because I, I was trying, I've talked to Bill about this before, you know, and me and my dad reminisce all the time about the you know the 80s and 90s because he won the super aluminum class in 87 the year i was born okay and uh and and so um he would always tell me how in those in those you know in that you know era that in the amateur class there was a hundred there was over a hundred boats always And, you know, so you're looking in and, and you look at the, the pro class and the amateur class combined and we're not, you know, we're, we're you know, not even hitting we're not a, yeah, we're not hitting 100. So yeah. um, if you just look at that and then you start adding in all the, you know, the rec, you know, rec classes and the yeah, aluminum and, 
and you know it's just it's 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 crazy so um but yeah that's why canoe race world kind of exists is to help transition that and 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 you talk about that that age demographic i was looking at our youtube follow i mean our uh, facebook followers Mm -hmm. and you know less than a percent is under the age of 24 so that means less than five out of our you know we have close to 600 um, followers or whatnot less than less than five of them um, are under the age of 25 and these are the people that are using technology so right. um right. if they're there they would be following us there right. just wouldn't be a reason why them for them not to so um so yeah i i, I said that i saw that i'm like we really need to go and and, and, and it, you know get out and get the youth involved yeah we've so. been trying to do stuff with the scouts and the school i mean the boy scouts we really haven't had a lot of help they just they say they're going to do some, and then it just doesn't transpire. And obviously, the the generation gap is our big, you know, promoter. You know, with with getting younger. Yeah. Oh, our, our youth races have really come up short lately. I mean, I think last year we had three or four boats, which is really, I mean, that used to have, you know, thirty or forty in it at one point. So, you know, we've been trying to outreach the schools, and you know, it, it's just tough to. Pr- it's a tough thing to promote. You know, I think you know. Most of you guys are in it because your parents were doing it. <laughs> yeah. You know, so you just got to hand it off to the kids and hopefully they, they latch onto it and, and get the passion for it, you know? Yeah, for sure. So, um, okay. I, I, I think we're, we're good with that. So what I want, I want to kind of, uh, swing back around to the upcoming year. Yep. Um, if we could sure. just, because uh, so like even though we think that you know most of this will be passed, we also have to. I would also have to think that you you have to have or, or trying to have some type of contingency. And I know you guys haven't had um, a, a, a official meeting yet, right. but I, 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 you know I would guess that you guys have to have some kind of idea on what you're like. Do you guys have? Do you think that there will be any? Can you will have any contingency plans? Like, um, you know, talking about um, limiting the size of and en- the entry size or um, limiting access. Like, uh, like for for example, the marathon, you only get one. I think it's one vehicle pass um, mm-hmm. at you know, specific pit stops and stuff right? because they have uh, parking issues there. So, um, whereas in, you know, uh, would you be, you know, putting any type of restrictions like that to help, you know, maintain social distancing? We may have to, but everything's spaced out pretty good. I mean, we don't have a huge congregation. I don't think it, you know, because it does get spread out pretty good and with the different start times, you know, we may want to look at staggering some of them a little bit more to keep everybody spaced out a little bit would be a, you know, a possibility. And we've been, we talked about that last year before for, for this year was, right. you know, splitting the AMs and the pros up again by, a you know, 10 minutes yep. or five minutes or um, there's pros and cons to that, you know, depends on who you talk to. Um, yeah, but I was going to say, do most people like that? Not like that? What's, what's uh, the general? I, my general consensus is most do, but there's a couple that are loud that don't. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yep. 
I, I'm in favor of keeping it the way it is. We we talked about it. I, I just think it makes a better race for – if I was racing, I'd want to be racing against somebody and be near mm-hmm. somebody. So with yep. the way we had it now, you know, you had some upper-level AMs that are in the racing against the, the lower pros, you know. So you're mixing up, and you've always got somebody to push with, and, you know, and you're in somebody's wake, and I think it just – makes a better race where if we start the AMs 10 minutes later, they're going to be back right. by themselves again. You're going to have some people in the back of that packer. They're never, yeah. never going to see anybody. Yeah. You know? yeah I, so, I, I, I would agree with keeping them together um, as a lower pro. Like I'm, I'm just a hack that people mm-hmm. kind of like, and I happen to get to be on a podcast and, and <laughs> hang out with a lot of really cool world-class athletes. Okay. Yep. So as a lower tier pro, um, it's really cool to have boats around you. Even yeah. though they're in boats, you've still got boats there. Well, some of the fans are, are very capable, you know, the oh, fans yeah, pros a- or, Absolutely. You know, so. Yeah. yeah. Or, is, or John, is there, on, on that uh, note, is there any thought as far as taking some of those lower AMs and going, hey, you guys need to race pro, like some type of a qualifier thing, or will they always have that option? We, we've thrown things around. I'd love to see something different with, with a qualifying thing or, and that might be something if, if we don't end up, I mean, if worst case scenario and we can only have the seventies per se and not do the support races along with it, I'd love to see some sort of time trial or something, you know, just a, something new and different, you know? Right. So I know yeah. that's what a Sable does and did some different things. And I know Ed's been doing a lot of different little sprint things up, you know, on, up on that end of the river, you know, on all, mm-hmm. all summer. So it'd be kind of cool to do, you know, like a preliminary thing like that. But yeah, it, it would have to be that there was nothing else going on because, I, you know, there's too much going on in the weekend now. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yep. So, yeah. But, so, um, um, but you, yeah, the, the kind of just jump back on that split in the time uh, in 2017. So 2000, that was the last year that you guys split it. Mm-hmm. Um, me and my dad won it in the amateur C2. And, uh, we, it was like a time, it was like an eight, you know, an eight hour time trial for us, yep. you know, uh, I mean, we were with the team for the first, um, two hours, but you know, after, after that, that we were by, <laughs> we were by ourselves and, and <laughs> looking at our time, we were like 15th in the pro class. So, right. um, we, we, we always were, we since then, we've always talked about what, what would we have been if we just well, did pro, like, what you know, can we, had, you know, cause Many but. discussions on just putting the racing boats together, period. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just one class. Just one yep. class. Of, you know, you're going to have your rec boats and then you're going to have your racing boats and your pro right. boats, yep. you know, yep. and whatever. But that's that's come against mass opposition every time that's brought up in, in meetings and stuff, which I wonder why to me would oppose that. What's that? I, I was just thinking a lot. I wonder why people would oppose that. They don't. Some people just want to still run for that trophy. <laughs> Believe it or not, and you know they they they, they lump it in a problem because there's there's many like you just said the AMs. You know the 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 winner of the AM race could finish, you know, fifteenth, twentieth in the pro. You know you're going to beat some of the pros. Yeah. You know so I it's just it's it's every time we've approached it it's been it's been squashed I guess. So because it would make our life easier. <laughs> 
Oh was, yeah, because we've narrowed down our classes a lot over the years. I mean, we stay yeah. way too many. We keep whittling things down a little bit as as boats, you know, disappear, and then we get people to say, "Well, why don't we have that class?" Well, if I don't have more than three boats, there's not going to be a class. Sorry. Yeah. You know, yep. I hate to be that way, but you you can. No, you know, exactly. Gonna, yeah, it's not a know. not a race at that point. No. Um, and but Bill, you know, uh, I will say that it's kind of like. Uh, it's kind of like an unsung, you know, um, type of a thing with a general Clinton that, you know, you race, you know, you can race in the amateur class until you win the amateur class. And so, um, it kind of has like, even though it's just the amateur class, my two victories in the amateur class in the C1C2 are some of the most important, you know, those trophies will be with me, you know, there's a, there's a ton of prestige to winning the amateur class of the 70. I've, yeah, I've been recruited by a couple of paddlers from out there that have went, Hey, you know, you, you kind of get bounced as a lower tier pro, but you could like, we could do this. We could compete and or possibly win this thing. And I would love to win the 70 in the AM class. Sure. Yeah. And I I think that's probably why it's still there. Cause that's, I think a, a general consensus of a bunch of people, you know, and it, it's a big deal to win this thing. For sure. Yeah. No matter no matter what class you're in, for that matter. Oh yeah, that a- absolutely. Like all all joking aside, I was toying with my plan for 2020 was to come out with my stock class C1 and race mm-hmm. stock class C1 in 2020. Um, I had a lot of things going on over the winter and early spring, and wasn't going to be able to train to train as much. compete in the, in the pro class. I have a stock C1, uh, a DY Special Sawyer that I thought would be hilarious to win that is all painted in camouflage. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be good. Nope. Yeah, yeah. I, I can see it. That And that's a draw. Like Part of the glory of the event to me is that there are these different classes. Right. You can do it. And we've tried to keep them as intact as we can, you know. And I think that's, you know, that argument with the am pro thing it, it just bounces back and forth you know there's there's pros to it and there's cons to it and you know we always end up coming back the same thing is it's keep it separate and you know and that's the same thing with 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 switching the c4 we we, we hemmed and hawed about that you know and you know we're we're planning on still adding that pro c4 class because the fours have gotten you know the just more popular right and, and, you know, when we first did it, we weren't even sure the brigand boats were going to get down the river the first year yeah. we did. You know, so that's why we started them out in the G class for the fun class. And that was successful. And then the next year, you know, we turned it into an AM class. And it, it's kept it fairly fair. I mean, you've got, a, you know, four pro paddlers that win every year. But, you know, I think the beauty of that class is there's a lot of retired guys that are going to come out and paddle, you know, in that four-man that may have sat home. Well, right. there, there's a lot of there's a lot of talk around that pro C4 class mm-hmm. amongst even even middle tier pros that are sitting there going that would be a lot of fun. Right. You yep. Know. Yep. So um, so hopefully that works out good. We you know I'm hoping we still have the prize money that we had there and we committed you know as the the committee we committed a part of it and we were trying to bolster that up and. I think um, Larry Harrison was doing pretty well, you know, getting some monies on that. So I think there was going to be a, a decent pot at the end of the end of the race, you know. 
and uh you know that's going to be the big challenge i think this year in this covid thing is you know there's not a lot i mean some businesses are doing well other ones aren't so um, i'm thinking our sponsor money is going to be a challenge this year and mm. you know without if we don't end up with the carnival obviously we do you know a fair amount of our revenue comes from having that carnival there um right. you know whether you like it or not some people do some people don't but you know it's an important part of the puzzle to be able to offer you know almost twenty thousand in prize money for the pro um and all the you know the the shirts the chicken barbecues and everything that goes along with it you know it ends up you know being a fair amount of money right so yeah and and that's going to be the challenge right now i think and that's why we're getting going on that uh, i know she's been our sponsorship person has been working on that and mm-hmm. but uh, but going back to the C4 thing, I think that's going to be a, a pretty cool cool thing. I know they were pushing for that when they first started it. Uh, Mark Gillespie was was doing that and really wanted to go start right out with the pro. And we're like, mm-hmm. you know, let's just go slow with this thing. And, and now it's kind of evolved and we're going to, you know, hopefully we'll have six or eight boats in that pro class. Yeah, that would be that that definitely be cool. It's de- it's something uh, that's that's definitely different, and it would be another differentiator between the you know the the three triple crown sure. races. Like uh, because the Clinton, you know, I think the Clinton has the 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 C one Pro is is kind of a big differentiator. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know the the marathon's pretty strict C two, which you know mm-hmm. I, I like. And then, uh, but then in the um, classic, they have like the Rabaska, you know, yeah. the however many people are in the Rabaskas. Or um, nine. Yep, nine people. Nine. Yeah, nine people. So, uh, and that's kind of, you know, they have that thing, you know. So, like, and, and I think the 70 would be a good fit for um, the C4 because of its ties, you know, how close it is to the, you know, how many people do the 70 and the 90. Mm-hmm. and uh the the c4 class is pretty popular in the 90 um and i think i mean i don't know of any other areas uh that really have c4 races sure so, yep. but, um, oh i think that pretty much covers everything that i wanted to cover do you got anything more you want to you want to add in i gotta i gotta ask one more question because i know like what i'm looking forward to the most about the carnival um but what's your favorite food my favorite food oh okay big kahuna's london broil sandwich that's it eh that's the one to try that's the best one on the lot there's no doubt about it Absolutely, I am. I gotta I tell hope you, we're still in business next year <laughs> <laughs> in 2021, right? Yeah, I've been in touch with them guys because I've gotten to be friends. You know, the same we've had the same carnival now for almost 10 years, I think. And uh, so I've gotten pretty good friends with a couple. The one like the big kahuna vendor, Jeff Brick, and he uh, we meet up with he does Speedy Fest. So I go, we I go out to dinner that night, and you know, he was just lost all year because they lost their whole season, you know, they did some. You know, drive through carnival food stuff here and there, but you know those poor people lost everything. You know, so I'm hoping they survive. You know, because it's a big part of the event. I guess the biggest thing with the Clinton, like we talked about in the beginning, there's just so much that goes on for a lot of different things. You know, and you know it's actually the 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 favorite part of my weekend anymore has really been the Hall of Fame, and. Uh, 
that's just been it was finally nice i mean i had never met serge before in my life till he got inducted and to finally meet him i mean he's a he's a legend in bainbridge you know <laughs> Yeah, and it was it was nice to meet him, and you know to to meet a guy that's that came out of retirement to race and break an undefeated streak, just really told you the character of that man. You know, and I was I was so impressed with that. You know, and and he knew he really didn't have a a legitimate shot of winning. You know, at that point, and uh, you know he did it for the induction and the fiftieth anniversary of the regatta. You know, so. So that was pretty cool, and and just to meet all the rest of the the people that have been inducted, and all the people that, you know, most of the contributors I knew because I've been in Bainbridge. They're mostly Bainbridge residents and everything else. But most of the paddlers, you know, you, you knew the name, but you never met anybody. You know, Zav was probably the only one I ever knew, and I knew him because we raced motocross with him and Ryan for a bunch of years. So <laughs> with my kids, so. Um, so it was really, it's been really cool. And that's, that's gotten to be my, really the favorite part of the weekend. Yeah. Awesome. And your hall of fame is, is pretty, it's pretty cool in that it's not just paddlers. Right. You have a lot of contributors and people yep. that have influenced that in there as well. Yep. Yeah, so there's been a lot of dedicated people to, to keep this thing going for this long without a doubt. So, um, I'd love to have been back in the day where there was, you know, 10 committee heads and 20 people under each of them. And instead of having the, the five or six people now that put on the whole event, you know, Great. So, but we have a lot of good volunteers and that's, that's really what, you know, we have a core people of, you know, six or eight of us that, that plan the event. And then, you know, the rest of it's just getting volunteers in the community and different organizations. And, you know, we've, we've gone to the point where we, we call, I call them paid volunteers where we hire, you know, the Girl Scouts pick up the garbage. We pay them. The Lions Club runs part of the food booth for us. We pay them. So a lot of these organizations now get stipends for, for volunteering. And and that's the really one of the ways we're able to keep this event going because, you know, the weekend takes a lot of people to, to, to put the event yeah. out. So, well, I, w- I want to say from all of the racers, thank you for mm-hmm. for keeping it going and all of the work that you do for the for the um, for the race. My pleasure. It's uh, I'll say it's it's a it's an important part of my life anymore. I've absolutely this will be my nineteenth year. So, <laughs> and and just to close out. So people have an idea. When do you think you'll have? Um, when do we think we can we can get a little bit more of uh, uh, like a solidified of what uh, what the weekend's actually going to look like this year? When should people be I, I expecting would, that? I, I've set a goal for myself of, of probably March first. Okay. Um, to have concrete stuff in, I would think. You know, we're usually, I think February fifteenth. Usually, our entry, enter online entries go up. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're gonna. I'd like to work toward that, but I don't know how much clarity we're gonna have by then. Right. You know, it's gonna depend on how, obviously, this vaccine does. But I mean, we're not gonna. That's not gonna affect us till June. You know, realistically, I don't think so. Right. Uh, I think we get past this surge and get into. You know, I think by the end of January, we're going to have an idea where this is headed, at least. You know, I don't know if we'll know exactly what extent we can hold the event at. 
But I, you know, I, my goal right now is to, at bare minimum, to have the seventy, have the money race. You know, if that, if that's the only thing that happens, you know, so be it. But that's my goal at this point is to make sure we have don't go another year without the the seventy, and. I don't see any reason why we shouldn't be able to do that, you know. But yeah. stranger things have happened in New York State too. So yeah, <laughs> I, I, can't, uh, I can't commit to it. But right, yeah. Yep. Well, there, there you have heard it, canoe racing fans of the there world. <laughs> there it that. is. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic. You know, I think the probably the. the the thing we may lose would be the carnival because mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's where people are going to gather more. You're going to have rides, you're going to have close contact and whether we're ready for that in May, I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm hoping we are, but who knows, you know, yep. but I mean, we're in, we're in the ultimate socially distant sport. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know? So, for sure. you know, I think, you know, if we can, you know, to, to manage the race, the end of the race, to, to keep people apart, I don't think that's going to be any problem whatsoever. You know, keep people apart down the river, I don't think that's a problem. So so my goal is to, to have a, a, a fairly concrete, or I don't know if I'm going to say concrete, but a, a pretty good roadmap by March 1st is what I would say. Okay. Great. Yeah. I think that still gives you guys enough time to really, you know, people are going to prepare like it's there anyway. Um, yep. That gives them a little bit more place to guide from and you know I, sure. I, I i'm pretty optimistic i, I don't see that we're going to have a problem having it but you know i'm i'm not going to guarantee it by no means but <laughs> yeah no nor would anybody expect you to No, but, but the plan is like i say it, at the bare minimum we're gonna we're gonna have that money race because we don't need to go without again i mean if if i'd have known that this would be the way it is now i probably would have done things harder to try to do it in may but i don't think we would have been able to anyway because you know yeah. we cracked down pretty well and obviously it's it's paid fairly good dividends because we're still in the top five of infection rates so you know the least of least infection rates so yeah yeah you know, so i guess you know all our diligence we've done over the last six nine months is is, is paying paying dividends you know so yeah. hopefully that brings us out of the other side quicker too so, all right. All right. Thanks for uh, coming on, John. Yeah, anytime. Really if you guys want to do it again once we get closer, you know, give me a shout. I, I'm, I'm glad to promote it. You know, it's like you said, you know, we just got to find a way to promote it to the young, to the youth. Because, yeah. you know, we lose paddlers to age every year. Other than we got, what, the one Hall of Fame guy, Mr. Fremont, that's, what, 90-some years old, still paddling. <laughs> <laughs> it just yeah. amazes me. Yeah, yep. mind blowing. Yep. <laughs> so, all right, Bill, all right. you have anything uh, you want to well, add? That's all I got. I uh, other than thank you and uh, looking forward to coming out and visiting upstate New York again. Right. Sounds good, guys. Have a good holiday. Excellent. Right, thank you, you as well. Yep. yep. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to the CanoeRaceWorld.com podcast, where we love marathon canoe racing and aren't afraid to say it. Be sure to visit the website at canoeraceworld.com and don't forget to support our sponsors who make this whole thing possible. Until next time, keep paddling. Yeah.